0: and Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it, but hey,
1: my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want.
0: (laughs) Two people just winging it in life, and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting.
2: This is History of a Haunting. This is Laura, your host. Oh my God, but I, I totally can't do it now because I can't <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, what am I supposed to
1: say? I'm all petting Leia and I hear you and I'm like, no, she already fucked it up. <laughs> all right, so begin. again. Okay. Just hi, welcome to History of a Haunting. I am okay, your host, Laura. Are you sure? Yeah, fuck off. You're the one that fucked it up last time.
0: So all of this is going on the blooper reel,
1: right? A thousand percent. (laughs) By the way, we now have four of them going.
2: (laughs) Hi, welcome to History of a Haunting. I'm your host, Laura.
1: I am your host, Archie.
2: And I am your host, Carrie.
1: Oh, nobody's going to go after (laughs) that. Oh, sorry. Right.
0: Okay. (laughs) Oh, God. So, (laughs) Carrie, do you have any EVPs?
1: Uh, no, actually, I don't have any EVPs this week. Uh, Archie, do you have any EVPs? I do not. I do believe,
2: however, that Laura has one. I do. It is a correction. We can call it a Laura talks out of her ass correction. <laughs> um, on I our mean, last episode. I'm
1: tuning in, go on. Do, do we need uh, a, a
0: different microphone setup? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I might need an extra one, just (laughs) one that affixes to the chair. (laughs) Um, So, in our last episode, um, we were discussing the neighborhood in DC known as Foggy Bottom, and I correlated it to a old jazz song that I love, um, which it is not the same. The old jazz song is called. Froggy Bottom, and has literally nothing to do with the easy neighborhood Froggy Bottom. Oh. <laughs> if you would like to hear the song Froggy Bottom, you can find it. Uh, my favorite version is the Kansas City music soundtrack. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's the best place I can find it. And enjoy. It's a great old jazz standard. And but they have literally nothing to do with each other. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So uh don't
1: take her word for music. Um and uh (laughs) maybe it's found on YouTube, maybe it's not. (laughs) I mean clearly her credibility is called into question.
0: Oh please.
1: I mean no, it really <laughs> between us, like when no did it
2: start. <laughs> 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 you should literally never listen to anything else. <laughs> one, <laughs> I agreed to do research. this dumbass show. <laughs> <laughs> Two <laughs> I clearly make bad decisions constantly. <laughs> I mean, I think she said it on day one, in fact. Right. So yes, I do love jazz. That is a great jazz song. And you can listen to it in the Foggy Body Neighborhood of D.C. if you choose. Just know it didn't come from there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely need to do that now. Like now that needs to be like what like a what should we call it? Sca- <gasps> we should call it a history of a haunting scavenger hunt. <laughs> <laughs> the next clue will be in next week's episode, depending on what we fuck up
2: today. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure that's going to be a constant uh, every week thing. The Lord talks out of her ass. Corrections.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, they can be
1: clues to the history of a haunting scavenger hunt. We're nothing if not consistent. <laughs> with right. Pretty sure I can do that all the time. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Well, um, thank you for the correction. That Arjuna didn't know was a fuck up. Um our listeners probably did because they're pretty spot on. But um <laughs> which is why we're I had grateful, to
2: redeem myself.
1: Which is why we're pretty grateful to our listeners because um they stick with us even though they're like these bitches are dumb <laughs> as fuck. Uh, also it's liveried and it means <laughs> uniformed. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, today's episode is brought to you by one of our new Patreons, Margaret. It is a listener suggestion that she gave to us. And Laura, actually, if you might figure this out, because we did, I did forward you and Archie her emails. So do so you So now know- I totally know what it is. You okay. do know what it is. Uh- it's west point right it is yes i did read the
2: email yay Yay. thanks margaret
1: (laughs) yes so margaret uh thank you so much for the suggestion it's an amazing story i had no idea that west point was haunted and it ended up being a treasure trove of hauntings so um yeah so this episode is for margaret and actually margaret i'm sorry it's actually for paul and paul is her adorable three-year-old son who apparently finds it super hysterical when the three of us are laughing, because it sends him into peals of giggles. So <laughs> to hear us laughing. So this episode is for beautiful little Paul, and uh, thank you to his mother Maggie for the listener suggestion. So Arch, uh, why don't you just jump right into your part? Oh boy! Well,
0: I had to. Oh, I had to. I had to try really
1: hard to get this down to two pages. Oh, I was just going to say, please don't tell me that it was another situation where there were like 500 West Point Military Academies and you had to figure out which one I was talking about.
0: Oh, no. I mean, Uh, if I'm trying to talk about the West Point Academy in New York, I would be talking for at least an hour straight for the history. mm, So mm. I really, I really had to cut this down.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'm excited then, because Archie always, when he has a big, big history, he always finds the best parts to present.
0: And I hope I don't let you down, because everything I am reporting, I found on Britannica.com.
1: Oh, cool. You don't need to worry about letting me down. We have paying listeners, though.
0: All right. Well... United States Military Academy by name West Point Academy, institution of higher education for the training of commissioned officers for the United States Army. It was originally founded as a school for the U.S. Corps of Engineers with a class of five officers and 10 cadets on March 16, 1802. It is one of the oldest service academies in the world. Framed by the Hudson Highlands and poised above the Hudson River, the Academy currently occupies about sixteen thousand acres in Orange County, New York, about fifty miles north of New York City.
1: I'm sorry, oh, how many thousand acres?
0: Sixteen thousand acres. Good or, God!
1: Okay.
0: Oof, yeah, it's it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of space.
1: Okay, sorry, go on. I I just, I wasn't expecting that. Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Although the site of West Point had been occupied continuously by troops since 1778, it did not become U.S. government property until 1790. Although the site of West Point had been occupied continuously by troops since 1778, it did not become U.S. government property until 1790. When, at the request of its owner, Stephen Moore, Congress appropriated the property, appropriated the money for its purchase. Subsequent acquisitions were made from time to time. In 1795, George Washington called for a national academy to train military officers. West Point, a military fortress during the American Revolution, was the site chosen. At the outbreak of the American Revolutionary War, both the colonists and the British had recognized the importance of gaining possession of the Hudson River Valley, and West Point became the strategic key to its defense. General George Washington established his headquarters there in 1779. In 1780, Major General Benedict Arnold, who was then in command at West Point, attempted to. it to the British. When Arnold's treason treason was discovered, he fled to the enemy, and the fort was saved by the swift intervention of a force under the command of Anthony Wayne.
1: It's okay, Aaron. He caught it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: American General Benedict Arnold, commander of West Point, persuading British Major John Andre. ...to conceal in his boot plans regarding the surrender of the garrison. In the notorious meeting of September 21st, 1780, Arnold agreed to betray his post in exchange for £20,000. The founding of an American, American military school had been proposed by General Henry Knox in 1776 and Washington and Alexander Hamilton repeatedly urged adoption of the plan. During the revolution, the United States would be forced to rely on foreign military technicians, such as Baron von Steuben, and it was clear that the young country needed to develop its own officer corps. Washington, who was himself an engineer, also felt that the mastery of military technology required extended study and could not be acquired by practice alone. It was not until March 16, 1802, however, that Congress passed the Act establishing the United States Military Academy at West Point. The Academy opened on July 4, 1802, and what a fitting day to open before 1812 it was conducted as an apprentice school for military engineers and in effect as the first US school of engineering during its ear er, during its early years however the institution suffered from a lack of proper organization and discipline an act of congress of 8 8- April 29th, 1812, reorganized the Academy and increased the authorized strength of the corps of Cadets to 250, expanded the staff of the Academy, and established a four-year curriculum. What year was this? 1812. Okay, okay. This legislative goal was not effective until the superintendency of Colonel Sy- Sylvanas... Thayer, who became known as the, quote, father of the military academy, end quote. Under Thayer's leadership, the academy produced military technicians whose skills were adaptable to meet the civil engineering needs for the program of internal improvement that accompanied America's westward expansion an act of Congress on July 13, 1866, allowed the selection of a military academy superintendent from the branches of the other army other than the Corps of Engineers. The academy is under the immediate supervision and control of the Department of the Army, exercised through the superintendent, who is vested to the immediate military command of the Academy and the military post.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to interject here. <laughs> you were like, I have so many big words. And then you're like, is, the, <laughs> I was like, these are, wow. <laughs> these aren't really that big, but it's mean,
0: a lot are of, hard. Small, there's a lot of small words in between the big words. Okay. Yes.
2: I, I apologize. Words are hard. He's taking his refuge in the small words. I mean, you're right. he all the big ones, and then he was like, is, the, like, okay, I got this. Bring it back <laughs> take in. Take a breath. Take a breath. You got Bring it. Bring it back in. End it out.
1: You're right. The. Words are hard. It's on a sticker. It's fine.
0: The goal of the educational program is to instruct and train the Corps of Cadets so that each graduate will have the qualities and attributes essential to continued development through a lifetime career as an officer in the Army. The four-year course of college-level education and training leads to a bachelor of science degree and a commission as a second lieutenant in the army. The that's actually really impressive. It's very impressive. That's
1: really impressive. Yeah. yeah the, I believe
2: that anybody that graduates West Point, they all go in as officers. So. Yeah. See, that's mm-hmm. wow. You could be totally wrong, but I really <laughs> believe. <honest. laughs> And caveat. I'll be caveat that, so I don't have to say it in the next episode. It's it, it's fine. They are officers of the
1: uh, core of the Foggy Bottom, and uh, lead the jazz band. I Go
2: mean, on. who doesn't want to be an officer of the Foggy Bottom? Come
0: on. Wow. I mean, I'm not sure because I won't be able to see what I'm looking at.
1: <laughs> okay, detour. And let's all try to circle back. We all took that train right off the tracks. Okay, sorry. West Point, we apologize. I'm sure they're listening. The
0: curriculum is based between mathematics and basic and engineering sciences, the humanities and social sciences, military science, and physical education. Cadets must be at least 17 years of age, but not yet 23 at the time of their appointment. In addition, they must be unmarried and have no legal obligation to support children, and females cannot be pregnant when they enlist. Wait, is this
1: current conditions or eighteen sixty three? Um, actually, today. Oh, yeah,
2: but the most amazing thing happened, I believe. No, I'm probably going to say this wrong. So go with me here. Froggy
1: um, Bottom. Right. <laughs>
2: But one of the first years that women were allowed into West Point, I believe that's a good percentage of the women in the top 10% or the top 10% of the classes were actually women. Like the women came in and really just killed it, um, which I think is so great. Once once we were finally allowed to come in, um, the women that were allowed in were so phenomenal and did such an amazing job. They just Crushed it, and I just well, they had, they think had, that when they graduated, that they just blew it out the water.
0: They had yeah. they had a lot to prove,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: women were not Absolutely. women were not allowed to attend until 1976,
1: which actually seems kind of soon. I think I can, I, can, I I feel like that's. I felt like, I, I, I just guess I expected you to say, like, 86 or 96 or something. I don't know. I feel like... It's still
0: well over 100 years mm-hmm. yeah. before women were allowed. Huh. And they have more than proven themselves. And yet, the stigma remains.
1: It always will. Didn't they just put out that women were allowed to grow their hair long and wear it in a braid? In oh, the military? Pretty. <laughs> like that oh, was just like 2 weeks ago.
0: <laughs> let's let's not even talk about African American women being allowed to have their natural hair. You know
2: what I mean, that's that's
0: absolutely. Do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sorry. Go on. Uh, all applicants must have a high school education or its equivalent and must take scholastic aptitude tests and a medical examination before admission.
1: The I disagree. I'm sorry. I, just, I was like, "That's not fair." Sorry, go on. Well, you
0: can't disagree with something I'm saying as a fact. Well, I
1: I do because you know I didn't graduate in high school traditionally. It's
0: fine. Well, no, it's high school education or its equivalent.
1: Okay, I didn't have that either for a long time. Anyway, I'm just well, being silly.
0: Neither I, but I have the equivalent. Are you applying to West Point because you're like thirty years out of date? <laughs> <gasps> I'm sorry, twenty
1: years. <gasps> We will be holding auditions for a new host for
2: History of a House <laughs> one that will
1: not call Carrie old.
2: I you got permit today and I'm holding on to that. As I told have you, have to be between 17
1: and 23. I could be 23, dude. Yo, I could totally be 23.
2: Or you can have a 23-year-old, but who's counting? <laughs>
1: Which I basically do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I've derailed this entirely. All on my own. Go on, Archie. Only 23 year olds, and they have to be exceptional women with high IQs.
0: And not pregnant. (laughs) The great majority of appointments to the academy are made by U.S. senators and representatives. In a typical year, more than 15,000 young men and women apply for admission to West Point. Roughly one fourth of applicants reach the nomination stage and half of them are rated as qualified for admission. Fewer than 10% of applicants, some 1,200 prospective cadets, total enrollment is typically about 4,400. Citizens of more than 150 other countries, if fully qualified, may also be admitted to the academy, although total enrollment of international cadets is capped at 60. As as I mentioned before, women were first admitted to the academy in 1976. The academic year lasts from August to May inclusive, The third class sophomores receive extensive field training at the training areas on the academy reservation. The second and first classes, juniors and seniors, obtain supplementary instruction at other army training centers. The second class also takes part in joint amphibious maneuvers with the midshipmen from the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. First classmen serve as instructors for the new fourth class freshmen, which enters the Academy in July. And they also assist in training the third class. So basically it is the higher, the higher classes. Teach the lower, the lower mm-hmm. okay. below them.
1: So fourth is freshman, third, sophomore, second, junior, first, senior. Or the it's, other way around.
0: It's just like high school, and goddamn, I hope it's not just like high school.
1: <laughs> Basically, is it like Harry Potter, where the first years are the youngest? <laughs> or
2: is it? Can you explain first the military to me in Harry Potter lingo? Who is first mean, boy? I need to know. I know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Who's, Who's the head prefect? Who's winning Quidditch? I don't understand. Basically.
1: Uh, so, yeah, so the first years are the seniors. Do they, like, count down? Four, three, two, one? Or?
2: The the older kids. Kind of, like,
1: one, two, three, four.
2: Yeah, the older kids, you see, are the ones.
1: Sure, yeah, but, so, freshmen are considered, what, first years or fourth year? First? It would be
0: four, three, two, one.
1: Okay. Four, yeah, first years. Fourth,
0: fourth class are the freshmen.
1: Thank you. That's what I was wanting to know. Okay. Now I'm confused. So it's nothing like Harry Potter. Gotcha. Continue. Damn it. <laughs> oh. So Carrie, not going to find a military man this way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm, that ain't happening. All right. Well, that's actually the end
1: of my portion. The most confusing part is the end of your portion? I'm All kidding. Right? I'm totally Just kidding. Thinking because I uh, please don't go any further because I can't <laughs> follow much more. <laughs> we already lost. Great job as always Archie. Great job. That that had to be really hard to kind of pare down.
0: But you it, you, you know what? All praise should go to britannica.com. Why? Because they had like 26 pages on West Point. But you chose I I I, I might they deserve credit for what they've written. I deserve sure. credit for editing it to two pages.
1: <laughs> okay, yes. You deserve credit for picking out, like, the highlights and the the. give yourself some credit. Every time I'm like, great job. And he's like, I had a great source. Okay, <laughs> yes. But you do pick and choose from that source, so. And you make it all
2: cohesive job. for us. Exactly.
1: Um, okay. Bring it home. Well,
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome.
1: It. All right, Laura, round of applause for Archie. Woo! <laughs> okay. Um, whether it be first years, fourth years, freshmen, sophomores, pregnant women that can wear braids and, you know, international spies or not, uh, this place has some motherfucking ghosts. So. Let's bring it on. I'm ready. Okay. Also, by the way, Ricky Rocket is now a paranormal investigator, and that is who I'm going to use all of my contacts to try to get me on an investigation with.
2: <laughs> Goals, men. A thousand percent. I will totally go anywhere. If we can do that. Also, I think your dad might be a little jealous. Like,
1: let's just get all I might the have poison. to take my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I have to bring him. What like, really happens with
2: jealous? Elliot, right? He's not going to be jealous. He's going to be on the plane. Right?
1: <laughs> My God.
2: Carry, he's like, I carry her bags. It's fine. Yes. She's a famous podcaster. <laughs> I We're going to meet poison. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> a thousand percent. Are guys ready for the hauntings at West Point Military Academy? Am I saying that right, Archie? Is it Military Academy or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So I got, I I love when we do military sites. So like when we did Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, Japan, like I love when we do military sites because a lot of the, the, um, the sources that I get my, the haunting information from our military websites. And I love that because I feel like that sort of, you know, how Laura, we were talking last week when, you know, when there are police reports involved and we, I was like, I love when the police are involved because that sort of just adds a, an element of legitimacy
2: to a claim. Absolutely. And it creates a record, right? Yes. There are outside people that clearly have no agenda. Yep. right they're just investigating an occurrence lights on a door being opened right it creates a level of legitimacy absolutely and a yes. record which is what i really appreciate too yep. yes yes so mm-hmm. i love when we
1: do military installations um, because so my sources for this episode are army.mil sandbox.us hauntedhouses.com and newyorktimes.com. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah. Nobody was impressed until I said the New York Times. <laughs> but... I
2: mean, it's the New York Times. Come on.
1: I mean, obviously much more than, you know, the Army's website. But sure. Anyway. Um, you know, I love to start my part out with a good quote and I founded this on Army.mil. It reads as follows, quote, the U.S. Military Academy's buildings are covered with textured granite, turrets, and perched gargoyles that gaze over cadets as they go about their day. Inside the large wooden doors, they walk through dimly lit hallways with triangular stone arches and wrought iron windows. You can sort of see how I made that Harry Potter connection, but that's Mm -hmm. about as far as that goes. Um, Cadets over the years said they have shared a feeling as if they were being observed by an unseen presence just to find no one there, while others have reported encountering apparitions in the middle of the night. This was frequently documented during the 1970s when a ghost visited the barracks. In 1972, West Point experienced an explosion of national inquiry and publicity because of a well-documented apparition that attracted famous demonologists, ghost hunters, and psychic mediums of the last century to investigate. But that is just one of West Point's ghostly tales. The stories that I'm about to tell you are sourced from more than 40 years of correspondence, articles, and book excerpts collected by the USMA historians.
2: Mm. See, that's so good. Yeah. the record that's what i mean and that's what we were just talking about a thousand percent
1: so there are um very similar to Air airbase archie there are um specific rooms and barracks on west points campus that are predominantly haunted so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna start with the most haunted room 4714 so in 1972, Jim O'Connor, who was a freshman at the time, so he would be a fourth year, year four, freshman, four? Oh, God. Don't I look it up. I just I feel like... Never at this point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he was a freshman at the time. He had his first encounter with something. Now, during a late night trip to the latrine, is where this encounter occurred. Now, Laura, I know that you have listened to a lot of our episodes, and I know that our listeners, I'm sure, have listened to every single episode. But when Archie and I talk about ghost haunting bathrooms, we don't love it.
2: (laughs) We talk about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: We don't love It it. It's bad enough when a person pops up when you're trying to take a poo. Let alone a ghost, like. I, I, do do exactly? <laughs> and in America, we have the bathrooms with the crack. Like, there's just too much going on. Is somebody in there? Yeah, it's yeah, not like, great. No, it's not
1: great. Yeah, you
2: need your privacy. A thousand percent.
0: Um, I this bathroom to be alone and have a personal moment
1: exactly um i actually believe archie in the queen mary episode we talked about a ghost haunting the men's bathroom and um you had said something to the effect of um you don't acknowledge anybody that's talking to you when you're standing at the urinal even if they say something complimentary
0: yeah absolutely yeah
1: it's a guy Uh, code don't do it
0: yep Exactly. Don't make eye contact, don't look at his peen.
1: Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> um, my story starts in the, the latrine. Oh. God. So Jim O'Connor, he tells of how his roommate Victor had gone to he was in the latrine, he had done his business, and he went to flush the urinal. Uh, but the handle actually went down before he touched it. And then <laughs> And then the toilet paper started unrolling from the roll. Uh, so he left and um, went and got his roommate, O'Connor. And when they went back to the, the to the latrine, uh, half the roll was unrolled and piled on the floor. Uh, yeah, I don't even, I have so much to say about this. Um, they were actually one of the few cadets there because just about all of the upperclassmen were taking advantage of what was a long weekend at the school. Um, I feel like there's a lot of judgment with this apparition. Flushing mm. you know, fast enough, and also I think you need all this toilet paper. Okay, well, um,
0: there's not any toilet paper at the urinals. But... So I'm a little confused. But in the 70s at West Point, do you know that there wasn't? Well, I don't know for a fact, but I can tell you (laughs) that
1: urinals... (laughs) Today don't have toilet paper.
2: I would say that they probably wouldn't either then. They'd probably be more basic. Yeah. I would say go backwards, not...
0: I mean, you don't need to wipe your ass when you're pissing at a urinal. And if you do, you're in the wrong spot in the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Thank you for catching that, like, but... Okay, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on another trip to the latrine, O'Connor, the roommate, caught sight of a full-bodied apparition sitting on the toilet. So in the 70s, I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of privacy going on and maybe that's the case maybe in a military school like there isn't that much privacy going on in a bathroom maybe there are toilet paper maybe there are like to- like if you think about like if you're in a war zone and you got to take a crap there probably aren't a whole lot of private places to do that so maybe
0: yeah, you i mean probably have your own toilet paper on your person
1: <laughs> that's what i was
2: thinking yeah you know, like maybe so anyway though Hmm? It's like camping. You got a shovel. You got your toilet paper you need. You you just made a face like you've never been camping like that. I have never been camping like that. Okay.
0: Oh, God. Are we going back on the camping thing?
2: No, (laughs) we're not going back to camp.
1: (laughs) Good. But good, because Archie pretty much told you how he felt about that.
2: Right. (laughs) And he's not going to feel any better about this story at all. So if you're camping out in the... Real wilderness, you have to go dig yourself a little hole, fill it up, and then cover it back up and be done.
1: So when you're out hiking in the wilderness, you're basically just walking on like... like (laughs) <laughs> I Listen,
2: wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <this laughs> like nobody should be pulling over to take a shit on the, the side <laughs> of Cambeck Mountain on bike hiking. Like hold it or go to the bathroom. No, I, no.
1: You're talking about camping, but people do tend to hike through camp areas. So when you're camping, you just dig a hole and cover it poop and cover it up. No, so what if I'm, there's like a I'm random like cyclist backwoods. or hiker that's just like hiking through poop piles?
2: I, I mean, love aren't it. Are we always <laughs> just hiking through sets, I'm talking like backcountry where they're just, and anim- like you're out in the wilderness. I said out in the wilderness. Like there's not, is- there are people it that hike not- in but poop Yes, And those people should go to the bathrooms that are provided, not just pull over <laughs> and take <laughs> I'm talking about in the middle of nowhere. I'm saying Where they are already hiking on
1: campers' poop piles. <laughs> I can't even deal <laughs> with Sorry. this.
2: <laughs> I don't know who's hiking on campers' poop trails. So you're just making stuff up <laughs> I feel like you're making stuff up. There's no There's way. Why? In the middle of nowhere, and you have to go off. Okay, so well, animals then, don't come, yes. Okay, but so the no animals don't on come. On a hiking trail, like, maybe well, the... Elect- people are hiking out in the middle of the wilderness? Well, that happens, like, the uh, Appalachian Trail or what is the big, uh, the Pacific Coast one? Um, anyway, yeah, they're probably... So they why do I have to pick up after my dog? Trail? But I don't have to this- pick up, up myself. I pick up after myself. You do, you have to dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> You basically (laughs) need to kitty litter that shit. (laughs) Dig a bag for my dog? No, not a bag. You just need to dig a hole and then cover it up. Now I have to dig multiple holes
1: for me (laughs) and my dogs.
2: If you do that, people probably would be fine with it.
1: I'm sorry. Camping is far too ridiculous and exhausting. I can't deal with it. Archie is like, where did this go? (laughs) There
2: are four seasons for a reason. Bottom,
1: bottom line: There's toilet paper in a latrine at this academy. Okay. okay. On another trip to the latrine, O'Connor caught sight of a. Here's where it went off the rails. Oh, God. O'Connor caught sight of a full-bodied apparition sitting on the toilet. Laura, it's wants, not
2: our. I have nothing to say anymore
1: in a later interview he was able <laughs> i really should have thought this research there. in a later interview he was able to offer specific details about its appearance sharing that it wore in his own words quote he was in a worn full gray dress coat and 1823 cavalry uniform and wielded a civil war era musket complete with a bayonet what stood out to him most were the eyes, or rather, lack of eyes. Don't love that. That's I mean, it's not ideal. <laughs> it's not ideal. I mean, <laughs> for sure, the whole situation is not ideal, but that made it far less. Um, he said, quote, I was caught up with the eyes. They were white. They glowed and they had no discernible color.
2: Ew, Mm.
1: creepy. During this moment, the apparition dissipated and eventually disappeared just as quickly as it had appeared. Um, Being a fourth year or a freshman or a plebe as I'm going to continue to call them from now on, a plebe. (laughs) At the time this all happened, O'Connor wasn't looking to bring any perceivably off-kilter attention to himself Or to his roommate Victor, who by now had also experienced some sightings of his own. And O'Connor actually didn't need to wait long for others to back up his story with at least five additional reports of this entity over just the next few days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. One night, the temperature in their room kept dropping. They both thought it was the radiator. Like, maybe it was on the fritz. Now, again, it was in 1972, so, you know. No. When I think of West Point, I think of, I think of the academy that trained our Civil War officers.
0: You are correct.
1: Looking at it, Victor and Jim O'Connor <laughs> looked at it, and they saw something in the radiator or, like, around the radiator. And so Victor asked O'Connor if he saw that, and he said that he did. What they saw was a dark, shadowy torso. You know how I can't stand a random body part, Archie? (laughs) (laughs) A dark, shadowy torso of a man hovering about five feet above the floor, and this torso hovered, about 30 20 to 30 seconds before it faded away so these poor dudes I'm gonna tell you what like I hope they grew up to be like functioning members of society because their story I'm just scratching the surface so a few nights later Victor had actually laid a pair of his drawers on his bed and by that I mean underwear <laughs> and went to take a shower. While he was gone, the OC and the CO had stopped by to talk to his roommate, O'Connor. When Victor was came back in about five minutes, he noticed that his bed had been turned down. So when he left, he had, like, laid a pair of drawers on his bed, and it was made, because obviously they have, like, you know, it's a military school. You have, you know... He went to take a shower, and his, his OC and his CO had stopped by to talk to his roommate, Came back from the shower and his bed was turned down. And I was like, okay, maybe he's staying at the Biltmore. Sure. He wasn't. (laughs) The men said that it wasn't, it didn't happen while they were there. And they actually would have noticed if someone had come in and turned down just his bed. Mm, Yeah. So it was a very odd, a very odd situation, a very odd occurrence. So the next night, The temperature in the room dropped again, and again, they waited for this apparition. Like, now it's sort of just become an expectation. Um, Sure enough, the apparition came out of the wall by Victor's bed above his locker, walked around the room, and then disappeared by Victor's alcove, so like where his trunk was stored. Okay. He then reappeared by O'Connor's alcove walked right through that alcove where O'Connor's trunk was stored. It then marched over to them both, stared at them for a few seconds, and then disappeared. Oh. Laura, you, you've you got that, I need a dog face.
2: <laughs> well, not only does it sound very Harry Potter-esque, um, like at first I was wondering what the radiator, like, <clears throat> You know how heat can look like on a road when it pops up and it can make like a mist, sure, so it's kind of thinking like you know that can explain it. I've lived in old old houses with radiators, sometimes weird things happen, but roof rats um, that ring bells, I get it. there are things um but more with the old radiators, like they're just super weird, and the heat is not even, and you know especially when it's really cold, it just can be not that I've seen. Shadow torso, I mean, torsos, but I could see the heat coming off, right? Like something, like a smoke, or something very strange um happening. But now it's like kind of thrown in a whole other,
1: a whole area. other, yeah, a whole yeah. other area, yeah. Because because this is like an actual like person coming out of the wall and like marching around and like standing there staring at like say you and I, and we're both like, do you see this guy staring? Yeah, I like Uh, it's very, it's very weird. So for sure. um, (laughs) So this apparition stared at them for a few seconds and then it disappeared. Now at this point, the the (laughs) the tactical officer told the CO that he actually had better get to the bottom of this nonsense because the two cadets could not, focus on their schoolwork because they were not getting any sleep at night because of the goings on in their room. Mm. So both men, the tactical officer and the CO spent the night in the room. They too felt the cold drops in temperature, but rationalized it away. But about two o'clock in the morning or 0200 for military time, (laughs) If you didn't know Um, about 0200 as they were going to sleep, this was a very specific description of what they saw. And I, I wrote it down verbatim in the article that I read as they were going to sleep, quote, they both saw a three quarter profile of a person's head and neck on the ceiling. One eye was blurry Its mouth and nose were black, as if someone was holding a flashlight under its chin. It lasted for about two minutes and then it faded away. The next morning, they examined the ceiling and found no trace of spots, water stains, or footprints and found nothing to explain it. It wasn't a shadow from the window. The windows and doors were shut and the heater had been turned on so high that they were actually sweating before the temperatures in the room dropped and it made them cold that they had to pull over their blankets because they were shivering. Mm. And this was the upperclassmen that had been sent to the undercloud to... So this was, you know, the sixth and seventh years at Harry Potter school going to the <laughs> first and second years to find out what the hell was going on in their rooms. I, I found this story, I found this story really interesting, especially how detailed it, a, a three quarter profile of a person's head and neck on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And how it like looked like the mouth and the nose were black as if somebody was holding a flashlight under its chin. But the next day when they tried to find the the
2: source of this, there was nothing they could find. nothing. And I love how analytical, I mean, you know, college students are in general, right? Right. Like, yeah. So they're like thinking it through logically, like they're yep. trying to find the source of the light. They're trying to figure out what it could have been vapor. Anything. anything. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. they can't sort it out. Yeah. Um, and they, how they remember how
1: the, they did feel the temperature drop, but they were actually sweating before the temperatures in the room dropped. I thought that was really fascinating. Um, like I said, I can, I, I love a haunted military installation. I <laughs> just feel like, I feel like if, if people, like the general public are going to question paranormal claims, they're probably going to pause a little longer if somebody in the military or in a, a or a police officer or somebody in a position of authority Right, right. Trained to be skeptical and scrutinize everything. I feel like if, if that's who's telling the story, I feel like the public in general is going to like maybe take a moment to reconsider maybe what they're saying is true versus, say, any one of us.
0: Right, right. and And actually, two minutes...
1: Is can be a long time. That's a long, trust me, editing this shit, two minutes is a long <laughs> Do you know how much garbage that three of us can spout in two minutes? That's a long time. If this podcast has taught me nothing, it's that time is really, really... So relative. <laughs> so relative. God, we can say some stuff in two minutes.
0: I mean, two minutes in an earthquake versus two minutes of viewing an apparition is both a really long time.
1: Yeah. So anyway, another cadet by the name of John Feely, he actually woke up one morning with a crushing feeling as though somebody was sitting on his chest. Now, Archie, I know that you and I have talked a lot and we haven't really delved too much into it, but we've talked about sleep paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was reading this article, I was like, okay, sleep paralysis. But... And also I say, but, but also I'm like, maybe. So he woke up one morning with a crushing feeling as though someone was sitting on his chest when he, hi, hi. I I love you. Mm. Off you pop or play with the toy. No, (laughs) stop. I know. Here, fix your lip. Okay. Um, When he looked, that's when he, too, saw the white-eyed entity right on top of him. He even tried more than once to sit up and yell, but was unable until it had disappeared. So I think it's interesting that if it was sleep paralysis, and maybe it doesn't say if he had heard the stories of O'Connor or Victor, but I think it's interesting that he would have seen the same white-eyed entity. True. But I need to know, did he hear the stories of the other two and their description of this apparition? So by this time, word had actually gotten out, and it was well known by everybody, that something was fucking weird happening in the 47th Division barracks. According to articles and to O'Connor himself, there was even an, an attempt to exercise the room. Now, what I find interesting about this entire story about the hauntings of West Point is that there are some heavy hitter names in the paranormal community involved with the hauntings of this prestigious military school. The first one is Jeannie Dixon. And do you guys know who she is?
0: Nope.
1: Laura? No. No. So... Jeannie Dixon is the psychic who became known nationwide for predicting the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Oh, you both are like, oh, oh, okay. She actually visited West Point in order to try and spiritually cleanse room 4714. Her visit was cut short, however, when according to eyewitness accounts, She was unexplainably lifted off the floor, thrown from the room, and never visited the academy again. Oh. Oh, my. So, following these events, room 4714 was no longer allowed to be used as a barracks room and was said to have been converted into a small study area. Throughout the 1970s, reports of this entity continued, and actually picked back up again when former West Point professor, Lieutenant Colonel Timothy O'Neill, published Shades of Grey in 1987. No, not that one, Laura. Um, I didn't say anything. <laughs> you don't need to. I know you. It's fine. You hate me. I get it. It's fine.
0: Oh, man, you guys totally froze for like three seconds for me.
2: <laughs> it was the Shades of Grey, wasn't it? It totally fucked everybody up.
1: <laughs> Be glad, Arch. It's fine. So this particular ghost was <clears throat> by a number of people described as a middle-aged soldier donning an antique uniform from the 1830s, a musket, shako hat, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, S-H-A-K-O, Shako, Shako, Shako?
0: I, I, Aaron, write that
1: down. Aaron, write that down.
2: That seems right.
1: Does it? Shako, Shako, yeah. Shako, okay. Shako hat and a handlebar mustache. That I do know because my son thinks those are cool and wants one himself. Uh, The ghost earned his nickname the pusher because his ice cold presence forced other victims to lay immobile until the pressure of his hazy glowing physique disappeared. So I don't know as this is necessarily sleep paralysis, Arch, like we have talked about on a couple of Mm -hmm. episodes and I don't know Laura, as this is a shared delusion as you like a share like I don't know if this is the same thing I feel like it's just a little more succinct a little more in detail with number of people but maybe like what are your thoughts like I, I'm I find it I'm fascinated by your idea of the whole shared delusion thing because I know that that's very real so I I want to explore that a little bit more as far as like what do you think in this particular instance about this same thing you know, person appearing the very same way, hazy, glowing physique, white eyes, pinning people to their beds and not allowing them to get up. Like there's a, there's kind of a culmination of phenomenon happening here between sleep paralysis and like a shared, not delusion, but a shared, what, what did you call it? A shared.
2: Like a power of suggestion. There you or... go, Power of suggestion. I don't know where I got shared delusion from. But I mean, just, yeah. all of that happens. Um, I think this one does like kind of cross a lot of boundaries because like you said, you're talking not just something that you're visually seeing, you're physically feeling it. And I think that that's yeah. where we're crossing the boundary. If you know that these things have happened in a room that you're in, I think it's easy to get that idea in your mind right? You're having dreams and you're going to have vivid dreams, you know, at some point, maybe wake up, maybe have this in your dream. Sure. Okay. I can see that. Um, the physicality of it, I think kind of takes it to another level because you're, if you're experiencing the same physical feeling, that's really hard to explain. Yes. And it's either they, they've started calling him the pusher
1: because he is either forcing them to lay immobile or he won't let them like, like they can't call out for help, which again, are symptoms of sleep paralysis. So it's almost, Arch, what do you think?
0: <clears throat> I, I really think it's going in on the sleep, sleep paralysis because our minds project so many different things that not one experience is really shared but sometimes they're so specific that it's kind of freaky
1: that maybe like you've heard a story and this there the, the story you maybe you've heard it from a bunch of different people but it's got the same elements so your mind
0: mm-hmm. is
1: putting its own twist on the
2: same elements
0: yeah that's 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 that makes
2: sense.
0: That's what I was thinking. I it's, can
2: see, especially in the military too, because it's a very communal society, right? Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That is built on shared experience and shared goals. And
1: it, it, especially in a, in a community like that, like they depend on each other.
2: Right. It's a very closed community. Very, like, very They close. have to depend on each other. The trust of every, yeah, the trust, trust the experiences
1: of the others, yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's fascinating. I love this. I mean, not for them, obviously, it's scary, but (laughs) the conversation the three of us are having is amazing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think it could be very much heightened in that kind of situation where there's the people that your life is going to depend on,
1: yeah.
2: You have this very close society, and it is very. Your lives are not just intertwined, but interdependent. Right? I, I like that.
0: Yeah. Arch, what
1: do you think? Yeah, that's
0: that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot like podcasters. We're very much like the military.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so close. I'm, I'm, the regiment is like almost the same. Yes, I mean, it really <laughs> just. The physical regiment mm. right there. Right there. <laughs> I mean, I almost climbed a wall today. It, I, but I didn't, but I mean, I could have. Oh God! Thank <laughs> God! I
1: would have been so scared.
2: <laughs>
1: Archie and I dug a hole. If that
2: helps. Well, hmm. did you cover it back up though?
0: Oh, oh, sweetie, we dig holes every day.
2: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the entire podcast is me digging a hole,
1: <laughs> basically. <laughs> Join us. You're like, what, seven episodes into 60-something? Archie and I have dug a lot of holes. Catch up.
2: Come with us. Come with us. I am. I I really feel very quickly. I'm (laughs) catching up.
1: (laughs) So apparently this ghost has also materialized out of the wall in a closet in room 4714. Um, On one occasion, it has risen up from the middle of the floor. Uh, Once it ruffled the bathrobe of a cadet, on another occasion, it turned on the shower. So it can't really quite decide if it's going (laughs) to be scary or helpful or I'm not really... It just feels me <laughs> indecisive to me, frankly. Kind of. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the cadets that had actually stayed in the room prior had their own weird encounters. Uh, one said, quote, there is no doubt about it at all. The room grew unnaturally cold. It turns out that the hauntings actually continued until mid-November 1972 when the commanding officer, after having spent the night in the room, and he was the one, one of the ones that saw the three-quarter profile of the whatever, um, the commanding officer had all the furniture removed from the room and declared the room off-limits to the living. Report, this was reported by the New York Times at the time. Quote, yesterday, West Point officials announced that the room had been placed off limits and the two plebes who occupied it had been moved to other quarters. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Patrick Dion said, quote, there is an unexplained phenomenon here. And he was the Academy's information officer. He described himself as a non-believer, but conceded something has happened and we've not been able to explain what it is. Acknowledging that the ghost had become something of a problem, understatement of the century, uh, Colonel Leon explained that hundreds of cadets have since asked for permission to spend the night in the haunted room. And that there was so much talk about the phenomenon that other cadets were not getting their studying done.
0: Oh, God. <laughs>
2: wow. I would I, be I one mean, of them. Yeah, can you imagine if that happened in dorm room anywhere? Like, Sign me up. Right? Like, it would yeah. just be craziness. I, I really do find it so entertaining <sighs> and mm-hmm. interesting that they acknowledged it publicly, talked about it, mm-hmm. um, so that they couldn't explain it. Like, that is... Impressive. That, yeah, that's really... That's like, pretty impressive. Let's do.
1: settle down, my darling. Thank you. Okay, so uh, also according to the New York Times, the pusher, as this ghost has become known as, appeared a second time in an area known as the Bureau. One cadet that they interviewed shared that the ghost walked out of the midst of a group of cadets, which caused the group of cadets to scream, clutch each other, and say the rosary.
0: What?
1: Right? (laughs) (laughs) Reports of seeing him were sporadic over the following years, but the pusher has not revisited where he had first appeared. Room 4714 is no longer occupied by cadets. The room was converted into a study area and seemingly exercised due to no other paranormal accounts being documented since 1972. The building has since been renamed the Scott Barracks. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um So, let's talk about Quarters 100 or the story of Molly and Greer. Now, the superintendent's... superintendent? No. Superintendent. <laughs> you got it. I got it. It's good. I can do this. The superintendent's house is known as Quarters 100. For paranormal believers, hello. It serves as a supernatural hotel, given the variety of spirit personalities that come and go. Um, Based on reports, there are two permanent ghost residents that live in quarters 100 to this day, which I find ultra fascinating. The stories behind the window, that great. But what ghost story starts really phenomenal, wonderfully. Um, Former Superintendent Lieutenant General William A. Knowlton invited, do you want to guess who they invited, Archie? Come on, just guess. We've talked about them a number of times.
0: Yeah, Belle and Lorraine Warren. Who? The Warrens.
1: Yes. Also, Belle and Lorraine
0: Warren. That was... No, I said Bill and Lorraine. His
1: name is Ed and Lorraine.
0: Oh, well, I was happy.
1: (laughs) I mean, you got Warren right.
0: Well, maybe maybe we should take that break. (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay, so let's talk about Molly and Greer. Now, the superintendent's house, I've already said it, starting over. The superintendent's house is known as Quarters 100. For paranormal believers, it serves as a supernatural hotel, given the variety of spirit personalities that come and go. Based on several reports, there are two permanent ghost residents to this day. Now, Archie, former Superintendent Lieutenant General William A. Knowlton invited married demonologists and clairvoyants Ed and then Lorraine Warren. Okay. To
0: perform,
1: yes. To perform a psychic investigation and seance in the house in 1972. Apparently, 1972 seems to be a really big year for paranormal activity on this <laughs> campus. But Lorraine, she actually revealed her psychic impressions of those living in another dimension as she toured the rooms of Quarters 100. Um, So the superintendent who invited them, the Warrens there, which I think that speaks very, very highly of the activity going on there and to the reputation of Ed and Lorraine Warren. If a respected, for over 100 years, military school is inviting them to investigate paranormal activity, I think that speaks to both Sides. I really, I really, I, I love this whole story. Okay. So the superintendent noted detailed accounts of Lorraine Warren's psychic impressions that she picked up during her investigation. They included descriptions of the spirits and energy present in each room of his home. He wrote them down in a memorandum to the librarian of the academy requesting they research. West Point Archives and find evidence that supported Lorraine Warren's claims. So he wasn't just going to take her on her word. Mm-hmm.
2: Laura,
1: yeah, I mean, it was like, Laura got real interested here. I thought that was really telling that he was like, great, this is what you say. And he's writing it all down for the librarian to research the archives. I, I, I was like, good, he's not just taking her on her word, which a lot of people have done and could have been kind of burned because... I love Ed and Lorraine Warren, but they were not always right. They got some stuff wrong. They just did. And I feel like maybe they didn't get Amityville wrong, but they, they might have kind of saddled their horses to the wrong wagon in that one.
2: <laughs> For sure.
1: Anyway, so um, Lorraine described a woman who could be the ghost named Molly who was an Irish cook who served, oh, Arch, here's your guy, Sylvanius Thayer. (laughs) Sorry, I give you a ration of shit about that name. Mm. Mm. Look at how, look at how, look at that. We need to be on YouTube. You guys need to see the glow of
2: there's a bit of smugness going on. Little little bit the of smug my smugness. Are you seeing my
0: smug face? I
2: am a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. also appreciating it a little bit. Looking good, looking
1: good. Looking <laughs> smug. Warren described a woman who could be the ghost named Molly who was an Irish cook who served Archie's BFF, Sylvanus Fair. She is known to rumble the bed linens and knock wine bottles to the floor in the kitchen when she's irritated, which, by the way, I'm about to fucking do. (laughs) Anyhow, um, she is described as not being old, but very domineering, athletically inclined and really not quite a lady. So that could be, you know, me, Laura, Archie,
0: any one of us.
1: <laughs> none of us are. Well, Laura's the only one that's athletically inclined, uh, but none of us can be called a lady.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we ain't no lady.
2: Hey, now
1: you're an all-star. all star.
2: Right, fine. Hey, <laughs> <Amen. laughs>
1: um,
2: I like ladies.
1: Yeah. Oh well, you might like this. I get fe- I get a feeling of no man. If she had a husband, he was dominated while at home. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Call me Molly. Everybody, <laughs> Laura's stage name is Molly. Uh, so that was the description of, that Lorraine Warren had of this particular entity. Um, Others who have worked at Quarters 100 have said that although mischievous, Molly does not mean any harm and is more playful than hurtful in nature. Also like Laura. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. look at how cute she is. She's got this cute little face. Oh, it's God. more mischievous than hurtful in nature. Um, oftentimes, the coverlet on the bed in one room is frequently rumpled as though somebody sat on it. Uh, though the room is actually barred to visitors, this one like bedspread is generally. Jacked up Um, another ghost that actually struck Lorraine Warren with a strong psychic impression was an African-American man named Greer. She shared that Greer is the one responsible for moving objects throughout the home. One example was written in the superintendent's memorandum. When the former superintendent of the Coast Guard Academy and his wife stayed at the house as guests, They actually woke up early in the morning and found a wallet that belonged to another occupant in the home, carefully placed between them in bed. Hmm. That's a little weird. Lorraine Warren described this Greer as a tall, slender man in a gray uniform, that he was an orderly to a superintendent and communicated that he carries a deep burden of guilt and sadness from committing murder. So, remember when I said that the superintendent had been jotting all of Lorraine Warren's, like, thoughts down and notes down, and he was, wanted to give it to his librarian to, like, research? hmm hmm The librarian found out that archivists were able to find documented evidence of several African-American men who came through West Point with Greer's name. One of the descriptions that potentially best fits that of the ghost that Lorraine Warren encountered was Lawrence Greer, a Buffalo soldier who turned out to be a criminal. General prisoner Lawrence Greer was definitely Black, formerly a private in Troop C 9th Cavalry. He escaped from confinement at Fort Leavenworth in June of 1931 and was apprehended the following April near Albany, Albany, New York. He was brought to West Point and court-martialed for his escape and subsequent desertion, this according to the archives of Chief of the USMA Stanley Tozeski. So apparently this Lawrence Greer was found guilty. He was sentenced to two and a half years of hard labor. However, the sentence was disapproved by command of Major General Connor because the prisoner was judged insane at the time of his trial. They said that we have no record of what happened to Private Greer after these events. So, yeah. So the librarians seem motivated, but, said that most of Lorraine Warren's descriptions would require of like Molly, would require an extensive search of reminiscences from past superintendents, which are not part of the archives holdings. Today, West Point archivists can provide memories from past graduates and professors when they lived at another house. So I think it's really interesting that again it's just one of those situations where this is a very respectable site. It's a very res- I mean West Point. God, I
2: mean, but you think of it conjures up parades and uh huh yeah and. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's so much just with the name that you just think of, right? Like, Right, you know, exactly. Like anybody from there. Precision. The almost beyond, like above. Beyond an approach. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're calling in Ed and Lorraine Warren, who have been the subject of skepticism, Arch, I think that there have been a number of locations that we have covered where you have questioned their legitimacy. Yes. Yes, I absolutely,
2: am. But, but I also like to think like at the time they were like the foremost, well known people that in the field dealt yeah. with the paranormal, right? So they would seem like the most respected, just like West Point is the most respected.
1: And um, the fact exactly, and the fact that they called them in and then the librarian was able to actually search the archives and find a career who Harbored guilt haunting the place. But then there was this greer that like harbored guilt from murder. I, I just I just find that one of the things that I that I found it, there are coincidences and then there are synchronicities. And a coincidence is a little bit easier to write off, but a synchronicity is a pattern. And I feel like this with such a respected institution and then Lorraine Warren and then like her feelings about the entities in this place were backed up then by archives of this respected institution. I feel like that becomes a synchronicity and I feel that it's just sort of one bolsters the other's credibility
2: in this particular story. Synchronicity being... Something that keeps happening. It's like the universe is trying to tell you something. Exactly. One thing leads to the next thing leads to the next thing. Right. 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 All pushing you in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I felt a little
1: more um, perturbed is the word. Not disturbed, but perturbed at the next haunting. I'm about to tell you guys. This is quarters 107B and The Lady. So... It was reported in an email correspondence between several former cadets and the Association of Graduates that a ghostly occupant named The Lady resides at Quarters 107B on Professor's Row, a home overlooking the Hudson River. A professor had apparently once lived there with his young wife, but their story did not end happily ever after because whatever story do I tell that does? (laughs) None. None, ever. (laughs) None, none, ever. Never, ever, (laughs) ever. (laughs) The couple was struck with tragedy when she became fatally ill in the 1920s. Barely to help ease her sickness and keep the house tidy, her mother came to live with them. Well, the story goes that the professor and the mother shared an attraction that grew into love, which devastated his terminally ill wife. Obviously. Like, Archie's face is already like, I'm disgusted. Yeah, it's a total scowl. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, <clears throat> perhaps her untimely death arrived even faster due to a broken heart. So, they do say that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. I have been a woman scorned. I have felt that fury. I have unleashed some of it. It's not pretty. And, um... I I I'd like to think I would not do what this particular woman did in my <laughs> own death. So she made her husband pledge not to remarry her mother. But when she took her last breath, he took vows shortly after with the mother anyway. Whoa. Mm-hmm. With the mother. With the mother. Wow. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So the ghost was essentially left by a man she was in love with for her own mother. And their affair began in the same home she was bedridden and dying in. So you can kind of see where she would be bitter as fuck. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some mediums say that her intense emotional distress began while she was alive. Not shocking but she but but it keeps her soul gripped to this world from lack of finding peace which again not shocking yeah
0: she's going to die mad about it and stay that way for a long time
1: i kind of don't blame her but yeah. apparently this is a this is what has prompted chaotic paranormal activity over the years Is there any other kind after this kind of life? Mm -hmm. Chaotic paradox? No, there's no other kind. So, it is reported often that items are thrown and turned upside down. Once a clock that was frozen for years abruptly chimed to life, and a former attendant said that they heard horrendous sounds in the night like someone riding a big wheel across a wooden floor overhead. (laughs) Um, For those of you... In the generation of my son, a big wheel was a plastic bike tricycle that was very popular in the 80s for us kids. It was also very loud.
2: Very loud. Amal, that is my life right now. I don't know why she's haunting here. Like, go. (laughs) If you can leave, please run. I really feel like you're... I have been here. My son has, like, just outgrown this stuff. Oh, my God, it's so loud.
1: Yeah. I feel like your son would probably, like, banish any ghost. They would be like, we can't handle this. He's got this taken care of. (laughs) The
2: competition is too fierce.
1: Fierce. Seriously. (laughs) So the haunting was apparently so frequent that the post engineer had to seal the ghost's bedroom off at one point because she scared people out of it. Um, but eventually the room was reopened in the 1950s. No reason as to why or future activity has been reported. So, although these disturbing actions were not very ladylike, fuck that by that point. Like, my husband <laughs> married my mother when I died. Um, the ghost received her name, the lady, from the eight year old daughter of a class of a night of 19. 19- The ghost received her name from the eight-year-old daughter of a class of 1960 graduate. Apparently, the family lived there between 71 and 75, and the little girl and her younger sister occupied the haunted room during that time. The one little girl woke her parents up in the middle of the night, every night, and (laughs) she didn't, like, go into their room and wake them up, but she would be Talking and having a conversation in her bedroom so loudly and exuberantly it woke her parents up every night. so after getting out of bed to check on her, they discovered she was not speaking with anyone they could see. When the parents asked her who she was talking to she would she would say "I am talking to the lady," which was in the bedroom of which was the bedroom where this bride had died I don't love it I just don't love any of it um yeah uh I I also think you know Laura you had mentioned last week in last week's episode when I was talking about the the person that had brought their black lab in and you were like they're so sensitive kids are too absolutely absolutely and it used Koya had imaginary friends Mm -hmm. and that's a very healthy part of child development but at the same time, I am a believer in that they're not all imaginary. Like, Koi yeah. used to, like, be friends with Thomas the Tank Engine and Bob the Builder, and, like, those were his imaginary friends, but there were some imaginary friends that he had that I was like, that's not from a TV show. I just... Yeah. <laughs> Zane
2: was, yeah, Zane was more like Koi, where it was... Um, like role playing, you know, with yes. with with names that you were familiar with. Um my niece did, however, come up with one that was outside of the realm of people that we knew. And um Yeah, I, that's... It, And I know it was absolutely role playing and what have you, but it did like creep me out for a hot minute, you know, where they're like, you can't sit there, Becky's in there. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who is this person what is happening right <laughs> like who is, who is this like you know yeah it does get very um for people who think outside the box mm-hmm, right like yeah it, it does like we can attribute a lot to it really quickly <laughs> that probably is <isn't> <laughs> like, yeah it did get really weird really quick i
1: think if any kid starts having an imaginary friend that's a pig named jody run Uh, I mean, that's never a good idea. Burn the house down and go. And go. Don't write a book. Don't have a movie. Just change your names. Just change it all. (laughs) I don't love it. Um, Anyway, so this little girl had an imaginary friend, which apparently was a scorned
2: wife. Not the best role model for your young daughter. Listen... Even scorned wives need friends.
1: Do they need little children as friends when they're dead?
2: Who might judge?
1: I mean, who are we to judge, <laughs> frankly? Um, so aside from West Point's most famous spirits, there were reports of other paranormal activity throughout the installation. Um, apparently, there was an extra head in a cadet's group photo Peering in from a MacArthur's barracks window, frightened pets will often bark at nothing in officers' quarters. A cleaner on the night crew once quit his job after being thrown by a malevolent spirit in building 606. Um, Other occurrences, uh, some have get one, um, Colonel gave this account that an 18-year-old plebe of G Company, 3rd Battalion, 4th Regiment, was awakened in the middle of the night on October 21st and observed what he thought was a figure coming through the door of his room. He woke his roommate, but by then the apparition had disappeared. The next night, both both of the cadets, cadets saw the apparition and reported it to their company commander, who spent a subsequent night in the room, with them, in an attempt to confirm the sightings, uh, he observed nothing but admits to being a non-believer. The next night, um, one of the first classmen, which is seniors for the Harry <laughs> Potterly challenge. Right, right. Yes, yes. Um, from the battalion staff, he sent one of the seniors from the battalion staff to spend the night with the plebes. All three saw a figure partially extended out of the wall. It was the figure of the Caval- cavalryman. They said later, the upperclassman reported that he had placed his hand on the wall where the figure had been, and the wall was extremely cold. That's brave. I would not be. Oh, ghost just went through that. I'm gonna touch that. No. Yeah. <laughs> <do that. laughs> Not going to do it. Um, another upperclassman then spent the night in the same room uh, with the plebes and saw the apparition um, of a face and a shoulder, which appeared to come out of the locker. <laughs> Sightings by successive, successively higher ranking staff officers ended when a first classman from the cadet regimental staff decided to spend the night in the room, but was frightened off. Mm. Yes. Um, There was another gentleman who was taking a shower prior to moving into the room, and it was on the same floor as this other room. On leaving the shower, he noticed that his bathrobe was swinging back and forth on a hook where that shouldn't be happening. So it wasn't like necessarily like over the door. Maybe somebody opened the door and the hook. It was just... The door was closed, the window was closed, so there was no breeze, and there was no other person in the shower. He promptly put on his bathrobe and left the building. (laughs) Can't really blame him. I mean, you really can't. Lastly, Colonel Dion says that corroboration of the apparition by several cadets does give a lot of believability. However, I think you have to be a believer to see them. So that is what I have about the hauntings of West Point Academy.
2: What okay. are you that was pretty awesome. I loved it. I really like the, um, how much they have documented. Yes. How much they have, like. Me too. You know, mm-hmm. All of these stories written down and the date, you know, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it's the military. It's this happened this time, this, you know, like. Yes. It's and I so love. Cool. Yes. Like it's there. Like that mm-hmm. documentation is there and it's verifiable. And it's, um, you know, with my mind, I'm like, yes, like, yes, let's yes. pull the receipts, pull all the, through the, the archives. archives. Yes.
1: And like, I, I love it. invited Ed and Lorraine Warren down there to investigate and everything that she said she was feeling, he wrote down and gave to his librarian and said, research this, find proof of this. And she then did. I love that. I love that. Or what is your thought on it? We've no, covered a couple of military installations on this show. We,
0: we have. And, and I think that was, that was a pretty excellent reporting.
1: I mean, New York Times, like I got my information from like these military cadets. I feel like particularly in, I find it interesting because we just recorded your Patreon conspiracy theory and you cover something that the military is highly involved in, but there's so much denial in oh, that yeah. story. Yep. But I find it interesting that they're going on record in this story of ghosts and hauntings. I find that that correlation interesting and I don't want to get too much into Archie's story but I just I don't know I think that that might be a conversation for us to have with our Patreons Um, and if you want to know what Archie's story is join
2: Patreon (laughs) I think too I mean dealing with military installations versus a military university you are really dealing with people in the military versus basically children right Are not quite as regimented yet. They're learning the ways of the military. They're going to be a little bit more free, as young people are, you know, to talk about experiences to not be as rigid as adults as as adults become, right? So I think that there's you're going to have those.
1: I think there's There's a there's a certain amount of leeway,
2: right, and more freedom to like talk about these things and.
1: Oh, oh, God. Share
2: experiences, no? Well,
0: when it it comes to the government, it's always deny, deny, deny. Unless you get a Freedom of Information Act request, and then you stall it for five years.
1: Well, see, that's the thing, too, is like, okay, so maybe it's a military school, maybe it's a military academy, maybe it's training our actual, like, armed forces at the end of the day, if you go there, you are, like, you are associating your name and your character with the United mm-hmm. States military, no matter what you're studying, what capacity you're in. So I feel like it's interesting that there would be so much leeway granted to a ghost story versus, say, a UFO story. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm probably putting us on some sort of list right now by even saying any of this. Oh, <laughs> And then God. publishing it to the internet, but...
0: If that's the case, we've been on a list for at least a year now.
1: <laughs> yeah, Laura, we probably should have told you this before we actually asked you to join us. Sorry.
2: Yeah, thanks.
1: <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's also, fine. Also, I mean... So yeah, so what do you guys think of The Hauntings, The Ghosts of West Point? Like, I don't know. I know what I think. I've said it like a thousand times. I mean, obviously I delivered the story, so I believe in it wholeheartedly. But <laughs> talk to me, Arch, as a sensitive, Laura,
2: as a skeptic. What are your takes? For me, I find this, this one's pretty fascinating. Again, like I said, the um, amount of documentation, it, it, it's hard to come back from, obviously I don't see it like with photographs or anything like that, but yeah. the fact that it's consistently documented um, and it's a military is, it's really hard to be skeptical. Just, yeah. discredit. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean these are upstanding young people who are dedicating their lives to their country. They're, and almost risking their reputations. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you know, these are, yep. I have nothing but the utmost respect for the people that serve in our military. Um, mm. And I will say that ending this episode, um, my family is military. Um, I can't say enough about how much we love you guys and how much you sacrifice oh, oh, yeah. and how much you give. Ooh. Totally and,
0: on all parties here. right? Exactly. And the
2: people that g- are going into West Point are the top tier of, you know, academically, socially, you know, I mean, these yeah. are upstanding oh, yeah. young citizens oh, who want to give time to their country. So for them to have these experiences and then document them and it happens over and over again, it's kind of above reproach in some ways for me. And of course, like I can disagree with, Maybe Certain this could be aspects. explained about right, yeah, yeah what have you, but mm-hmm. the fact that it's so well documented, it's really hard to say anything. I mean, when West Point is calling in the Warrens, you're kind of like, mm-hmm. "It must be happening." Like, that's pretty <laughs> crazy, right? And then yeah. like
1: wanting like they then they wanting their archives to For, they were open to receipts, right? Yes, she, like, like when they're letting them says, pull find rings, it, yeah.
2: Like, that's some hardcore stuff, right? Like, so that's, I mean, they are obviously aware that something is happening when they're letting, you know, Mm -hmm. outsiders, let alone these type of outsiders. Yes. Or have been called in question before. Yeah. Their reputation
1: has been. And are very
2: public. Mm -hmm. They're not going to keep anything a secret. They're going to pull the receipts and then they're going to waive them. You know what I mean? It's not, like, going to be hush-hush. Like, Archie and I. Archie mentioned earlier, like yes, in the terms of your these are not hush-hush people. Mm-mm. When you invite them in, you know it's not going to be like this is Doctor Phil. You know this shit is going to be out, out there. They're, yes, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. So I, I find all of that when you combine all of that, it's fairly compelling. Yay! I love it.
1: I love to Circ- circumstantially. Stump the you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, circumstantially, I circumstantially, but the like skeptic. I find it. Yeah. I mean it, it based on all of that and what the thought process that has to go into it and how it's been going on for yeah years and years yeah absolutely it's very interesting yeah. Art, First, what about, about you as oh, the sensitive what do you think
0: she, Laura just said everything i wanted to say
1: yeah yeah for sure so, I I thought it was a great, great location. And I had absolutely no idea there was anything there. And so, Margaret, Paul, thank you so much for the listener suggestion. We had a great time, as you have heard, (laughs) discussing this. Too much fun. Way too much fun. so, yeah, thank you, guys. Like, I, you know, we are always wanting to um, listen, you know, get your listener suggestions. We have a long list of them. Um, some of them we have found deserve to be mini episodes that we're going to give exclusively to our patreons. Some of them, um, you know, like Eloise Asylum and, you know, West Point. We definitely are going to make regular episodes, but we do. We read every single listener suggestion and we do try to find a way to fit them all in. So please keep them coming. Um, We want to certainly um, encourage all of you to rate, review and subscribe. Give us reviews. Let us know. That just just makes us more easily searchable on all of your favorite podcast stations. If you like us, let us know. If you don't like us, what don't you like? What could we do better? Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll thank you for giving us a try and tell you to have a great life. It really just, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, yeah. So this was the um, history and the hauntings of West Point Military Academy. Uh, Laura, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us?
2: Uh you can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, um, anywhere you can find it, anything you love. Um we are available on Twitter, um uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, H-O-A-H podcast.com. I think I got them all. Did I get? Did I do it this time? You did. You got them ah, all. Yay. All right, everybody. Hey. Uh, <laughs> this
1: episode comes out on. Hang on, let me grab my calendar. Saturday, February twentieth, and Laura will buy everybody a coffee if her bio and picture is not up on the website by the release of this episode.
2: <laughs> oh, I listen. I did write my bio today. It's ready. It's going. I just need a picture that I can stand
1: <laughs> I, okay. think about. I mean, if she doesn't have a picture everybody gets a coffee it's fine. just like
2: everybody knows you have to take like 70 selfies to find the one where you know you only have a, a, the right amount of chins and there's a lot of work that needs i mean you the, I the, eventually stuff. the light
1: fades. i get it i absolutely get it's it.
2: it's a lot of work but everybody i need to be in the golden hour. there are things
1: there are things that are happening but Everybody's getting a coffee next Saturday because I guarantee she probably won't have it. <laughs> but anyway, Archie, would you like to say anything to the fans, the friends, the listeners? Wow.
0: wow. <laughs> hey, everybody. We love you. Thank you so much for listening in. Take care. Right,
2: thank you so much. Bye.